YouTube on it, go to their search engine, type in Accidental Love 2015. You'll find a version hosted by Online Movies. It's kind of redundant. Yes. Click the link, but hit pause. Move your timer to zero, zero, zero. We want to watch this movie all at the same time. Let us watch a full-length movie on YouTube. With and you. Carl, Carl's kind of being modest every week. He's not, yeah, not a guest. Yeah, you need to stop that bit already. No. What? <laughs> what? Stop a bit? No. Beat it to death every week. Uh, yeah. Carl has written... Bit. Carl wrote the theme song. Carl has researched this movie. He's going to provide... Uh, uh, guidance as we watch at the same time and he's also spoken to a celebrity comedian I who was going to do a celebrity comedian countdown and when the next celebrity comedian says go press go and it's actually going to be really interesting I don't even have a chance to listen to beforehand but Carl has delved deep into this next comedian the Carl take it away. yeah this guy this next guy's from Tibet you're going to love him we Tibet have New Jersey well, Tibet, which county? Bergen? It's, it's Sussex, Sussex County. Sussex yeah. County. Tibet, New Jersey. Okay, take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Cassidy O'Malley. Welcome, Cassidy. Now, you, my dear, are super new to comedy. I mean, it's been like two seconds. Like, tell me the story, how you got into it, how long ago, and What's up that made you want to do this? Okay, Carl. So I feel like you you've seen me at my my first spot, Scotty's. Uh -huh. I see you there from time to time. So as corny as it sounds, um, doing comedy was actually always in the back of my mind, like kind of corny, my little girl dream. Like my dad, he's a big comedy fan. He always like. We grew up, like, he showed me Monty Python, his favorite comedians, like, and my dad's hysterical, too, so it was always just, like, there, and my entire family, I mean, we're a big Irish family, we got alcoholics, we got everything, <laughs> we have a lot of big personalities in one room, to say the least, so, I mean, everyone's always cracking jokes, and... Yeah, I just never had, for lack of a better word, the cojones to mm -hmm. get up on stage. And then I graduated college, was kind of just in like a weird, it was still kind of COVID, kind of not, but I was just really itching to like do something that it's I was- really that recent, like 2021, 2022? This past December, it hasn't even been a year, Carl. Wow! And Holy also, um, in the midst, I did that class at Scotty's. I'm kind of embarrassed to say. I know, like, comedians get shit on for, like, taking a comedy class. But uh -huh. I just figured, I saw the sign. I was literally driving, saw the sign. I was like, you know what? This is my chance because I can do it in secret. I can get in there, see if I have any skill at this. And if I suck, no one will know, right? Uh -huh. I'm like, this is perfect. And did the class. Actually, the class was great, too. Like, I loved it. Chip Ambrosio we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Shout out, okay. Chip. Great mm -hmm. guy. We're doing a fundraiser there, too. September 22nd, he'll be hosting. Okay. So definitely come through if you're not busy. Um, so I did the class and, like, literally from there on out, like, I was addicted. Like, I was like, let's do mics, like let's go well, so that how were you at the showcase 
How was the reaction to you at the showcase? Did you feel? Um, pretty good. I didn't invite a single person, which I know that definitely made Chip um, and the rest of the class annoyed. But I was like, guys, like, I don't know what I'm doing. My biggest thing, even to this day, I'm super self-conscious, inviting friends and family. Like, I enjoy, I'm sure you can relate. Like, I mean, I don't know. I enjoy performing for like strangers like people mm -hmm. I don't know I find it kind of distracting when there are like your best friends per se in like the front row which I mean I love it I want everyone to come but like for me as a performer it is kind of a little distracting can you uh -huh. relate to that at all yeah can you get nervous you have yourself you're distracted yeah. by the, um, uh, you're self-conscious and when you get up there it's like if they're strangers, it kind of doesn't matter because they're not going to see you again. And they don't know who you are, so you could be anything for them. Exactly. All and Carl, I'm 24. Like, I fucking love my friends, but, like, some people have never been to a comedy show in their life. You know what I mean? Like, I got to give the girls a little pep talk. Like, yo, like, no phones, no chatter, like, no, like, mm -hmm. no getting, like, absolutely wasted. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Sometimes me as, like, one, a performer, and two, just kind of a micromanager. I'm like, ooh, it's a little added stress that, mm -hmm. like, adds to the stress of performing, you know? What was your major? Because I know you came from a place in which comedy was common in your household. Like, was mm -hmm. your major anything to do with, like... My major was basketball. Basketball. So it was... That's <laughs> kind of performing. My actual major was... um. Oh, you're I was a communications major, which is like the classic. That um, is. Yeah. Okay. But really, I just was like kind of phoning it in in college. I went to Ithaca mm -hmm. College, like loved it there, played mm -hmm. basketball. And then even crazier, Carl, also another secret. I don't tell comics, but it's out here now. I have my MBA, uh -huh. which is like crazy. I was actually working on a bit about this, but I do have my master's in entertainment and media management. So I feel like I'm very much so like kind of in a way utilizing a lot of the skills I got there now doing comedy, you know? So if you're 24, you must have graduated and gone straight into the master's immediately. Yeah, because it was did COVID. It, uh huh. So did you do it online, I guess, because? Yeah, so um, we did, actually they had it set up really nicely for us in which we could I was still in Ithaca. I decided to do it, yeah, basically even before I officially graduated because I was the marketing major and like I really figured out through internships and stuff that like I really did not like that world. Like it was uh -huh. just kind of fucking corny in my eyes of just like, I don't know. Like I wasn't into it. I had two sort of internships and then I saw the entertainment and media management like option to get my master's and I'm like that's for me because I love pop culture I love entertainment movies tv it is just it's like what really does get me like excited to go and like learn about that kind of stuff the marketing like I said I mean in college I was just kind of like I'm a social butterfly at heart like I'm coming to class and just like shit chat like what's up Mm -hmm. And I mean, the communications major was great. It gave me like great public speaking skills, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, marketing, like I kind of like came to the conclusion. I'm like, I'm not that into this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
So it wasn't because you're bullshitting people. That That isn't the reason it turned you oh, off. Oh, no. Okay. I'm good at bullshitting people. Uh-huh. Okay. You know that. Now, I was going to go on to ask you about how you're getting books so much because I see you on Facebook and Instagram. Not Facebook. You really don't do Facebook. I see nah. you on Instagram and you're promoting the shows that are coming up with um, uh, what? Mike Loro and um, I-, I forget exactly. But but no how is it that you're getting books so quickly? I mean, you do well at the open mics. Is that where people are giving you these offers? I think this honestly goes back to our previous point of bullshitting, Carl. Like, I feel like it looks like I'm getting booked left and right. <laughs> but, like, I only have, like, one show booked for September. Like, it's not that crazy. Uh-huh. It's not like I'm I, – I don't even have a consistent show every week. Like, yeah. I mean, I wish I did. But, yeah, I think, like you were saying, I just kind of – have a bit more social media knowledge than the Mm -hmm. average comic not like no disrespect to any Mm -hmm. comics but like I am just 24 I was a marketing major I still feel like I'm pretty shitty at it but (laughs) I just like post like whenever I do something I went on um, my first kind of road date in charlotte because i did a show at the dojo mm-hmm. my friend gerard like gave me this sick opportunity so once again it's like i'm obviously gonna post that because then people see it it looks like i'm doing big things like that was my one time oh, being my. out of the northeast mm-hmm. and like god knows when it'll happen again but <laughs> yeah, it's all, it all goes back to like marketing yourself and like yeah. promoting, you know i'm still like i still struggle to cut clips to do all that shit so I'm glad it looks like I'm feeling it. Now, I want to get to this countdown. I know that's true, but still, I got to ask more. Where do you think you want to go with this? I mean, it's it's not even been a year, but now that you've gotten the feeling of doing setup punch, everybody's out there. That's a room full of strangers. They're laughing. Where do you where do you think you want to go? Where do you see yourself going? I don't mean in five years. I mean, like, what's your next step in comedy? Do you think? What are you striving for? Well, I'm striving for everything, Carl. I want to do it all. I want to just really grind. I want it to be like, I'm still working. I mean, I don't know if you can tell by this backdrop. Like, I am in like my my childhood bedroom. Like, I'm still at my dad's yeah. house once again. It's very understandable at 24 years old. Yeah. No problem. But I am working on getting a place of my own in Jersey City. I've been going into the city more to do those spots. Um yeah, I mean, in the immediate future, just want to book more shows, you know? Well, and... like some people, like, they want to do a TV pilot. Some people want to oh, do no. a webisode. It, yeah. I, that's why I meant where were you going? You want to be a booked, working comedian. I like to do stand-up, yeah. I do not have – oh, well, also, I want to have a podcast as well. I mean, this is cool. It's first time doing, like, anyone's podcast. Wow. But... I want to have my podcast, but really my one love is like the stage and uh-huh. just sort of like keep writing, keep getting better. Like I said, I'm very new at this. So like every time I get on stage, I'm sure you can relate. Like I'm learning something new. I'm mm-hmm. finding like kind of my voice. I've been lately just more comfortable on stage where I'm a bit more unhinged. Like I do more crowd work. It like, still very green in terms of the industry and like i mean i just fucking love it so mm-hmm. i want to just keep doing it as much as possible and like keep getting booked you know 
Now, I bet you don't have a website, but how can people find you out there on the internet, out there on social media? Certainly Instagram. You have TikTok. How can people get in touch with you? How can they check you out? That's a great question, girl. And one, I am working on the website. That will be fired up soon. Very nice. Um, Cast Comedy on IG. TikTok, I'm not great at it. Once again, it's a little younger than my age. Chastity O'Mal, I believe, is my handle. Chastity. Chastity O'Mal. I think I'm meeting in college. There's a lot of bullshit on there. Yeah. A lot of just like nothingness. But um, yeah, you guys can find me on there. And Carl, hopefully I'll see you like at a mic or a show. Always. I'm sure. That. We it rub was, elbows all the so time. Thank you so much for having me. This was sick. And I, I will definitely like talk to you more um, about the back end of things, like when I see you next. That sounds perfect. Okay, now, Cassidy O'Malley. Everyone at home is poised to press play at the same time as we do here in the studio. We're going to watch this movie together. Okay, so why don't you go ahead, Cassidy O'Malley, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown. Hell yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy this movie. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal, quite a snack. Quite a (laughs) nice face to look at, right? All right, guys, enjoy the movie. I am going to do a countdown, and here we go. Three, two, one, go. Thank you, celebrity comedian. That was really cool, Carl. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. We're going to start our movie from Mongrel Media. No, no, it's not. I mean, that's a promo thing. Yeah. Now, now we're seeing the real film. 50s film. I don't like this movie already. Uh, well, when we open up, we're actually not watching this movie. We are watching B-roll footage from the film Mr. Deeds in 2002. Oh, the Adam Sandler movie? Yes. yes. <laughs> a few years ago. I, I got a house. My name is Mr. Deeds. Now, this is they, this starts out in Indiana, the hometown of our heroine. But okay. really, this is New Milford, Connecticut. And it's B-roll footage from the remake of Mr. Deeds in 2000. Here, what we're watching. Yeah, I don't think Sandman would leave the tri-state area to make a movie, right? <laughs> no. No. So this is all Mr. Deeds. Okay, I mean, I guess it's over now. Now okay. we're into our film, Principal Shooting. This started in 2008, even though this movie didn't release till 2015. It was a mess making Tell me. this film. Tell me more. Well, I mean, they kept running out of money. You see, they started shooting in 2008, and the guy who provided the finance, who's a, who was a, who's a powerful man, but he was young to Hollywood, new to Hollywood, right. he claimed that the 2008 bubble you know, like real estate bubble or whatever it was, the, the um, uh, what is it, default credit swaps, whatever that was. Yeah, the big short. Right. So, right, the big short uh, is fucking with their financing, and the producers had to take 50% pay cuts and stuff. And uh, anyway, this thing didn't finally get done until released until 2010. And the director was like, screw it. I'm Alan Smithy for this film. I'm not even going to. He's Alan Smithy. Now, this is not just any old director, right? This is not like some guy who just came out of it. No. We're looking at the list of people starring in this movie, and it's a fucking motley crew of actors. That's right. This is a major motion picture. David O. Russell was our director. David O. Russell. And I got a list here. Let me just tell you for the plot, though. We're meeting Alice, okay? 
Yeah. And Alice's mom is is uh, National Lampoon's vacation. Beverly D'Angelo. D'Angelo, yeah. Yeah. And and you know the mom's proud. The mom and dad are proud of her. And this cop just came over and asked for her hand in marriage. Well, he she she knows him, right? Yes, they've been dating. This is. This is uh, the Sonic Wayne. the Hedgehog sheriff. It is Sonic the Hedgehog. This guy, you'll know his face. Is, it's, his James. head is down right now. But it's Scott Beardsley. Uh, no, I'm sorry. No, In James. real life, it's James Marston. Yeah. He's Harry Lame. You ever see uh, Anchorman 2? Yes. I'm Harry Lime. And he made a bet that if he lost, he had to say his name was Harry Lame. Yeah. He lost. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm this actor. Uh, like, Harry Lame. At the first time I ever encountered him, I was like, well, he's just Mr. Handsome, so therefore Mr. he's walking Handsome. through stuff, but he's not. He's not walking he, through it. I don't know if you ever sat through the TV show Westworld, but he has yes. such a vulnerability. Like, he seems like he, his heart is broken through every scene in that movie. It's, he's it's a pretty, real actor. He really is. Yeah, and he's friends with Sonic the Hedgehog. How- Watch if you want to, you can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced Mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced Mutiny. Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say Mutiny. Mutiny? Well, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman, oh, Mike Spiegelman, oh, Mike Spiegelman, oh, Mike Spiegelman, hey, Mike Spiegelman, 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 Mike Mike Spiegelman, Hi, Mike. Good to see you again. Good to Good do to... this again. Ready to yes. go. Another Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m., as we broadcast first on mutinyradio.fm here in San Francisco. Go ahead. Donate to their Patreon. Go ahead. Donate to their Venmo account. Donate. At Venmo is, is at Muni Radio. Uh, you can go to mutinyradio.fm, and you can click and find the Patreon link there. Uh, we are here every Sunday. 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5 p.m. East Coast Time. Oh, there goes my cat. Uh, and we are also a podcast with the acronym LWAFLMOIT, as we mentioned up front. And we're also on YouTube. You can subscribe to YouTube and just get it. Carte blank. Carte blank? Blanche. Carte blanche. Separately, but with the, with the video set up. Yeah, you don't have to sync up the our yeah. audio to your real YouTube. We did it for you. Check yeah. out WAFLMOIT on YouTube. Because LWAFLMOIT is let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. So 
You're going to listen to our podcast and watch a movie in real time for its entirety right now. Uh, but unless you're watching on the pod, if you're watching on YouTube, Carl's already said the movie up. Easy peasy. I handled uh, it. Yeah. We listen, if you're listening to the podcast and not watching the movie, you're not doing it properly. You're That's not right. getting the full experience. Doing... Nope. Absolutely. We are parasites and we must harvest off the carcass of uh, actual <laughs> entertainment to, <laughs> to 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 call attention to ourselves for two hours a week. <laughs> so we're gonna watch a full length movie on YouTube. We want you to go to YouTube, find the movie. And watch it with us. Carl, what is the movie this week? This week we are watching The Fantastic Four, 1994. The Fantastic uh, Four, 1994. That's what you put in the YouTube search engine. And the channel we like is Actors Filming. Actors Filming. Yeah, it's not cameramen, cameramen acting. It's Actors Filming is the channel we like. You can tell it's a good movie right now because no director actually filmed this movie. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and type in Fantastic Four 1994. Look for the uh, version yes, hosted by acting, actors Actor filming. Filming. Yeah. Not we acting did... filmers. Well, we... Actors filming. I was going to say, this is the second time our show has done it. This is the first time with Carl. And uh, first time since there's more information available about this film. So we're really excited to watch it again. It was on YouTube. Uh, you know, I, you start off a show called Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. You go straight to the heavy hitters. You go to the 1994 Fantastic <laughs> Four. I don't know. You look for the Chuck Berry video. You look for everything you could possibly look for. And uh, it was on YouTube. And then it got yonked. And now it's back on. It's been on for a while. Okay. So, yeah, uh, so it's great. We're going to revisit this episode. And I should say, with every bad movie, the joy is experiencing it and talking about it. So if other people have talked about this movie, it's just, what can we say? It's a great bad movie. It's on YouTube. That's the premise of our show. We like, you know, I read about this <clears throat> infamously, and uh, now I got to see it. So we're going to go ahead and see it. So go to Fantastic Four 1994, find the version from hosted by actors filming, Hit pause, move the meter to zero, zero, zero. And at the count of three, when you hear go, press go. Now, you're going to hear go from our special comedian, celebrity, comedian, countdown person who may not even be a comedian and may not even be hosted by <laughs> Carl. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Countdown, this time with Chris Gore. Sure. Chris Gore. Welcome, Chris. You guys are very enthusiastic. I, I haven't had my morning coffee. So <laughs> I just put well, a second pot. Today we're watching Fantastic Four, 1994, the Roger Corman mega blockbuster, right? And the reason we've got you on is in the service of Film Threat uh, magazine, you were on set for the entire filming, right? All 21, 25 days, was it? Uh, for most of the shooting, yes. It was around the holidays at the end of the year, but I was there, yeah. Now that's unusual, really. Is that because it was gonna be a cover story you spent so much time? Uh, well, it ended up being a cover story. So I was on the set for filming and, and yeah. Um, the, the reason that they needed to start shooting before the, before the end of the year was because contractually, if they hadn't started shooting a movie before the end of the year, they would, you know, they would have lost the rights to the Fantastic Four. This German company. Yeah, so they were, it was so quick to. This, 
yeah, this German company hired Roger Corman to just make a Fantastic Four movie that they had no intention of ever releasing. Unbeknownst to everyone working on the movie, yeah, uh, they thought they were making the Fantastic Four movie, and they were super excited. I was excited because the Fantastic Four is, I mean, it's my <laughs> gateway comic book. It's between that and Batman, it's the, you know, two comic, you know, uh, franchises that I love the most. So when I heard they were going to film, I, I said, I want to be there because I had just done a story on a movie called Carnosaur, which was Roger Corman's ripoff of Jurassic Park. So, um, so that would just sort of led me to being on the set the in, almost the entire time, the entire shoot. Which now, I don't, we I, did uh, the Carnosaur on this podcast also, and we it was horrible, horrible film, terrible. Yeah, it's, well, I'm in it. I'm in it. It's horrible. Are you really? Yeah. Are you? Where, yeah, I'm where in are it. you? I am in the scene where these two characters are loading cages of, right. I think, chickens uh, onto a truck. Yes, towards the beginning. And I, my line is, I changed it. I said, can, can you give me a hand with, the line was, can you give me a hand with this? And I said, can you give me a hand with this load? Just because I wanted <laughs> right. to say the word load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it I did worked. it for every take and it's in the movie. <laughs> okay, I'm going to so, have to watch it again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so the the uh, filming of uh, uh, Fantastic Four took place in some of the same settings that uh, Carnosaur took place. And I understand that this building was condemned with rats in it and a cat that would chase the rats. Do you have any story about the condemned building, your experience uh, there? I don't, I never saw any rats, but it was pretty ugly. And I did notice because I was on the set for Carnosaur, we did a story about that. Then I was, you know, it's like, oh, they're just recycling the same sets for the Fantastic Four, <laughs> which was weird. It's like, and they barely repainted it. It's like, I will throw some stuff up there on the wall and this and whatever. You know, he didn't seem to care. What I do remember is, is that, um, if I recall correctly, like Roger Corman's famously cheap. I mean, uh -huh. he's famously cheap. And I, I, I interviewed him once and I got him to pose with a penny. So <laughs> he's holding a penny up to his eye. And we had a photographer take a picture of him holding a penny just to kind of show how cheap he was. And I do recall that when I was working, I was hanging out on the set and whatnot, that someone was let go for buying name brand soda. Like, you can't buy, like, Coke or Pepsi. You had to buy, like, whatever the low-brand, like, local grocery store brand of Coca-Cola was. Like, whatever, you know, generic brand snacks. Like, don't get fancy snacks, you know? So I, I thought that was really funny. That's, like, that's, that's how, how much he was pinching pennies. Now, we saw the uh, documentary Doom to prepare our research for the film. And in it, you talk uh -huh. about how, like, at first you were very giddy to be on the film. I mean, you were a fan, you know. But as time yeah. moved on, you started to realize this was going to be a B-movie. Yeah, I mean, I, it was sort of this sad realization, especially when I saw the costumes, right? It's like, here they're in their Fantastic Four costumes. And it's literally felt fours glued onto these spandex it was literally just spandex where you know they're shooting with certain angles to not show how haphazardly those costumes were assembled the other thing was <clears throat> we did a, a cover photo shoot for film threat <clears throat> with all of the four characters right the main four and 
<clears throat> what I loved was their enthusiasm. The actors, Alex Hyde White, who actually ended up being in the third Indiana Jones movie, who's an established actor who now does voice acting. Alex does voice acting for, uh, he, does, he does a lot of voiceover for audiobooks. Great guy, great guy. And Alex Hyde White, he was just so earnest about this part. He cared uh -huh. so much about it. And looking back on the movie, it's probably the most accurate incarnation, at least to Stanley and Jack Kirby, what they had intended to do with the Fantastic Four. Just in tone felt like, oh, this is like the first hundred issues that Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did of the Fantastic Four, right? Yeah, so, so, So that was great aspect. And the, the earnestness of everyone involved, with the exception of, I think, Roger Corman, it was just concerned <laughs> with like, let's just get this done and do it cheap. The thing that was really sad was we did a photo shoot. So we had like all four characters, right? And we put them against the set and I hired this photographer for shooting. And um, this is a story that I told that didn't make it into the documentary, by the way. This is like a bonus feature here. But the actress, I believe her name is Rebecca Staub. Yeah. She yeah. played Sue Storm, Invisible Girl. And this, let's just say that these spandex outfits left nothing to the imagination. <laughs> and there was serious camel toe that had to be touched up to put, you know, to be able to put this photo on the cover of Film Threat. I don't think she was wearing underwear. Okay, so, so post-production, you had to... We had to touch up those photos so as not to be uh, graphic. And, and um, you know, I remember, like, we're, we're shooting this, and I'm looking, I'm going, like, I don't know, is it, this could be a problem. We're gonna have to put text over that. You know what I mean? We're gonna have to cover it up in some way. So, wow. yeah. Now, in the plot, Sue makes the outfits. Do you think that excuses their cheapness? Right? They're homemade. Well, yeah. It's it's it is an excuse to excuse to you know make make them you know. And that's actually right out of the comic book, by the way, mm -hmm. which I which I thought was great. But yeah, I guess you can excuse the cheapness. And yeah, she should not have been a seamstress. Yeah, Sue right. Storm should be, you know, she should be, you know, a girlfriend who, you know, will just go away. She can just go away when she turns invisible. She can just disappear. Right? That was Kirby's attention, I'm sure. Her, I guess. I guess. I don't know. But I, I, you know, like, look, I was a super fan. I'm like the fact that you know I was living in a time where there was even a Fantastic Four film being made. I mean, look, yeah. you have to think, this was this was the '90s, right? Like we're now living in a time. We're now living in a time where we have the luxury of complaining about the latest Disney Plus series. When who knew that there'd ever be a Hawkeye show or a Boba Fett show, right? Like it's like now there's like so much geek stuff that it's like oh wow, there's a lot of crappy geek geek stuff now. But back then it was few and far between. It'd be like a couple movies a year, maybe a TV show. So I was ecstatic, like oh my god, and. Um, yeah, so so it was it was for me like it was like summer camp, you know, because my responsibility was, you know, hey, I'm not making the movie, right? I don't right. Work for You're a and I was just there as an observer to do a story about it. And they compliment you in the Doom documentary too. Now, I was a big fan of the comic book, uh, yeah, especially yeah, the '60s one. And and don't you think things should have been a little bigger, right? Broader shoulders, stockier thighs, huger. What was the thing costume like in real life? Like, did it look cool? It looked um, decent. Well, it was weird because the actor who played Ben Grimm was taller than the actor who was in the thing costume. Yeah, yeah. But the thing costume in real life actually looked 
pretty good. Like, like the um, Optic Nerve Studios was the studio that that did you know the practical effects on on the film, and they really put their heart and soul in it. I mean, yeah. soul into it. I mean, for them, I'm mean, sure they didn't make any money. I mean, like I know they were paid, but at the end, I guarantee they didn't really make weren't weren't paid what what you know the time that was put into it. And I think that they looked at on it as like, well, this is going to be, this is for us going to be stuff. like a portfolio piece, right? Like, and they really, really just put a lot of effort in that costume. They tried to make it accurate to the Kirby comics, and I, I would say that it's more accurate than the, you know, other Fantastic Four film that came out later, and then the one that came out, you know, more recently, uh, directed by Josh Trank. I mean, like, those are just sort of weird interpretations. Theirs is the most accurate to the comic book. With the, the brow. Comic book is, mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the brow and everything. Like, they got that right. It, it, it moved, you know, in certain places. And so, you know, it's a lot of it is how you photograph it. But I actually <laughs> thought that was one of the things that worked out really well with it, was that costume, the way that that character was portrayed. Now, that uh, guy was Carl Cafalio, and he was a huge yeah. stuntman. He went on to so much work and did so much work before it. But he reports that the suit was the hottest thing he's ever worn. Did you see him struggle with it? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. He, he had problems with it, right? Like, it was, you know, I mean, you sign up to be a monster in a costume. That's yeah. what you're going to be, right? You should know what you're getting into, right? Yeah, you're the yeah. thing. Now, they report there was no rehearsal. They just started rolling. There was more, like, about blocking. Did you see – did you have an impression, like, uh, this is a little rinky-dink here? I mean, I think when you look at it on screen, I think it came out okay. I think some of the acting was strong. Yeah, like, if it was if it was a movie that was made for television, I think that it would, like, oh, this is pretty decent. You know, they, they tried to remain faithful to the comic and faithful to the characters as they – were you know portrayed in the comic book i'm fearful that this they keep talking about a new fantastic four movie i think i think based on sort of the direction that marvel's going i think it'll be pretty awful Uh, Mm. i really don't have a lot of faith in it but this is this was but if this were a movie to be released in theaters i think it would be kind of lackluster i mean you know johnny storm doesn't really even turn into fully the human torch until the very end of the movie right one sort of last shot that was very early digital before digital effects were really a thing, right? I like, think it looked okay. It was fine for the time. There just wasn't enough of it. And and I think they knew that. You could tell from the script that it was kind of anemic. Like, they were writing around having to do special effects, right? So um, that was sort of a – that was a red flag right there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, also, um, I heard that Stan Lee was on the set. Did you meet him? What was his yes. attitude like? Was he – Yes, I, he, I mean Stan is. I mean, you know, if there's something going on, Stan Lee's gonna gonna be there and be a part of it. So yeah, he was on the set, but it was more just a glad hand, and yeah. I think that gave people confidence too. Yeah, because like it was you know, an endorsement. Yeah, it was definitely an endorsement, and I'm sure that Stan knew about the rights situation. That it was really about this German company holding on to the rights. Uh, you know, so so what can you say? But. But, you know, that was, this is pre, like, Marvel being Marvel, right? This yeah. is Stan Lee just, like, trying to get something going. I think Blade was really the first breakout of a Marvel character that was put on screen that was successful. I mean, there were, there were you know, there were 
television attempts that were yeah. pretty decent. There like was the Captain Hulk show. America on a bike, right? On a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah right. all the, the Hulk, Captain America movie, don't remind me. But then there was also like the television series. There was um, Spider-Man. You know, there was the Bill Bixby Hulk show yeah. with Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. That was fun. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't the Hulk that we have now for Marvel. Right. But it was, hey, it was it was a tragic, fun sort of, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde story, right? And then there was the Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man show right. in the 70s, which Nicholas Hammond, by the way, has a cameo at the end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, oh. he's hey. in it. Everyone talks about, oh, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. Hey, I noticed Nicholas Hammond was <laughs> in it. So Nicholas Hammond is in the in at the very end of Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh uh, you, you see they're in they're in the diner and you know Peter Parker goes to visit MJ and observes MJ talking to a patron at the donut shop and that's Nicholas Hammond. Gotcha. No Nick, kidding. Nicholas Hammond also played the director who directed um uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. Now we so, Quentin Tarantino put him in there and he plays the director who directs the Western and he's kind of trying to coach, you know, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. That's kind of so. neat, neat. So, so uh, there was a uh, two-part Spider-Man, uh, uh, you know, on the television show that they stuck together and, and released in Europe as a as a feature. Yeah, uh, we and we it. saw that on this show. That was a lot of fun, you know. Wow. Yeah, cheap. It was good. Now, was I believe that Roger Corman had every intention to release this film. And it wasn't until he got the phone call from Avi Arad. Avi Arad, Avi Arad, yeah. The Marvel guy. That was the first second that he said, okay, we're not releasing this, right? Do, do you agree? Yeah, I think that the, I don't know that their intention was ever to release it. I think their intention was to shoot it. And, and that was it. I mean, obviously I got a bootleg copy of it years later, yeah. but I also did a thing where we, um, we took the cast of the Fantastic Four, like all four of them, did a signing at the Film Threat booth in at San Diego Comic Con, and it flooded the aisles. I think we sold like two thousand issues of that comic. A lot of people had already haven't had an issue of it, and they signed every single one. That's and cool. uh, the cast was great. I th the year later, that Comic Con did a rule like we have to have an autograph area. You can't have people clogging up the you eyes. Guys did that? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's one. No. It, oh, anyway, so that was that was like a delight to like have them all there. And th what was weird was just how enthusiastic those those main actors were. You know, now, I saw that in that documentary that yeah. the enthusiasm of the crew, like they did everything. They promoted the hell out of that movie at every convention. They were the voice of that movie, and you know, a fan of their own yeah, on their own dime. And like a fan like myself would get excited because there really is such a thing and there's such enthusiasm to it. I mean, I was excited, you know, like I like I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would, you know, there'd be a Fantastic Four movie made. Like, what the hell? Like, that's crazy. I so, remember reading the comics, uh, you know, at 11 years old, 10 years old, thinking they should make these into movies. You know, why aren't they doing that? You know, well, they had the cartoon well, show. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, there was the animated Fantastic Four cartoon. There were two of them, one in the 60s, which used the Human Torch, and then another one that came later. Yeah. I think it was in the late 70s. Right. Where they had Herbie the Robot because they were afraid kids were going to 
light themselves on fire to be oh. a human torch, which I guarantee you Marvel is going to address that in some way. Like they're trying to figure out how do we do the Fantastic Four and not like have kids light themselves Wait, on fire. And then how do you make it practical? Like, okay, if he ignited himself on fire and was in the kitchen that I'm in right now, that would probably destroy and melt the kitchen. He could, you know what I mean? Like, yes. there's just sort of practical real world things. Okay, if you're gonna have these characters now exist in the real world, how do they, how does it work? Now, did Film Threat go on to do an article to cover the fact that Fantastic Four would not be released? Did you follow up? Well, <clears throat> we never did because we could, we could never get any answers, right? Uh -huh. You know, we did that cover story and I remember, um, uh, I, I remember Tony Timpone from Bangoria magazine called me out of the blue and said, ah, you really scooped this on that one. Because I'd been doing stories where because I was in Hollywood, I could just go to the sets of these movies and we covered Carnosaur and, you know, we just were getting access to like low budget indie movies, which is kind of film threats, bread and butter. I mean, we cover independent film, right? So, I mean, Roger Corman is an independent filmmaker. Yeah. And they but, went to Troma, too, uh, at first. Troma said no, right? I mean, the documentary taught me that. Right, right. So, so uh, you know, but we didn't know. I mean, we just did the story, and I wanted to be very comprehensive. I grew up reading Cinefantastic Magazine and Starlog and, and uh, you know, Fangoria. And, and I read all those magazines as a kid. I was, I was a magazine junkie. At, a, at you know at the time at, in that era and i think at one point i had 50 magazine subscriptions this is before yeah. the internet yeah yeah this yeah before That's the internet right. and just so people who may not know magazines are like the internet but on really thin slices of wood and yeah. you can read them <laughs> That's a good way to well, say you, it. you know this podcast exists. Exact for, yeah we, we we're doing this podcast because i used to read psychotronic right. video all the time yeah i love like that magazine. yeah i love it and I, I would say, oh, my that God, magazine. that I, I, and then just like there were so many great ones at the time. And I just wanted to be film threat sort of had its own niche, which was indie film. Right. That was our that was what we focused on. And sometimes that crossed over into genre stuff. So um, certainly a lot of you know low budget underground films were horror, sci fi, etc. So so, yeah, I, I you know, like I just think that there was never a final word. Right. Like they said you know, oh, it's on hold or it's this or whatever. And then, you know, it just sort of got forgotten. It, mm -hmm. it became like a lost film. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mike used to read these magazines, but he couldn't go see the film. He was young. He's not going down to the Ziegfeld Theater in Manhattan. So that's why right. we have this show today, because they're all on YouTube now. They're all on YouTube. Everything I read in Psychotronic, oh, wow. everything I read in my film books. And I had to take the really? film books. Yeah, well, because, you know, Fantastic Four, I read about it in Film Threat. I, I you know, and that was it. So I just wow. had a base. So thanks to YouTube, the great yeah. equalizer, I can just finally watch it. And then. Wow, just, that's great. Yeah. Now, what was George Gaines doing on set? I mean, we're talking Punky Brewster. We're talking uh, Police Academy. Did they know they had a star here? Why didn't yeah, they Yeah, he was the biggest them? name. Oh, uh, I don't know. that. I don't know. <laughs> were you there to see about... George Gaines? No, I'm not sure if I met, met him on set. And I probably would not know. I mean, I wasn't, like, even at the time, like, and I don't, I tend to not watch mainstream television of any kind. Like, uh, you know, people tell me constantly about the Big Bang Theory yeah. and stuff. And, like, I hate, I, I, I think I've watched that show and I, I'm not, not a fan. 
So when it comes to like mainstream anything, I'm pretty blissfully unaware. So I wouldn't have even known who he was anyways, because I've never seen an episode of Punky Brewster. Were you there the day that they shot the classroom scene, which in, in the beginning, when he's sitting next to Ben Grimm? Um, I don't think I was there. Okay, that. okay, because that was his big moment. That was his know? big moment. Yeah, yeah. I just think they should have used him. He was a big star. He could have been the Alfred the Butler to them or something. I don't know. They should have squeezed it in. Yeah. Okay, so, Chris, now, everyone at home is poised to watch this film at the exact same time as we do here in the studio. They're all going to press play together. So why don't you go ahead and give us that celebrity countdown? Wait, wait, really? How, where yeah. am I counting down from? Three. Three. Okay, Three, two, one, go, but it's got to be paced. And so we, that we everyone, should... Why don't we go from four, three, two, one? Because of Fantastic Four? Yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay. All right, so we're going to watch we're going to watch the Fantastic Four, the classic Roger Corman movie, and here we go. We're going to count down from 4 3 2 1 play. All right, very excited. Thank you for that celebrity comedian countdown where the celebrity New Horizons that of course is right. uh, we're about to watch Munchies, right? We'd have watched a few New Horizon videos straight to video uh this wasn't even straight to video no it wasn't released at all you see how this they whoever put this up here for us stuff snuck in the marvel cinematic universe oh right yeah 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 back in 1994 that was no such thing if you don't know anything about this movie and you see that in the beginning you're all right ready to go right all right yeah hey man i was I watched 26 movies to get one storyline i missed the marvel <laughs> cinematic universe movie gotta watch it well, this is some trippy special effects already. Uh, do you hear the music? Should I? Well, I guess so. I mean, the people who wrote the music spent $6,000 of their own money to hire an orchestra. And we learned that from the documentary about this film. We should mention the documentary is, is almost as fun as the movie. It's called um, Doomed. Doomed which is the true story of this film where all the actors you see here in the opening credits, uh, Rebecca Stab takes a stab at it. Uh, <laughs> stab. <laughs> Michael Bailey Smith took a Smith at it. <laughs> he did. He, uh, oh, oh, he was Ian Trigger. Yeah, he was triggered. Ian Trigger. So, um, yeah, it's okay. It's just a documentary about how this film didn't get released. You know, and we'll talk all about it. You know, and you've seen it, so have I. I have. I I have not seen it recently. I forgot George Gaines is in it, but yeah. Now George Gaines is from Police Academy movies. At least that's how yeah. you know him and love him. Oh and, oh oh, uh, and uh, Pucky Brewster's father. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, and 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 the guy from Victor Victoria. Okay. Uh, yeah, Punky oh, Brewster. Do, do go on, do go on. He was Henry Warnamount in Punky Brewster. He was command, Commandant Eric Lassard in Police Academy. And he retired from acting at the age of 86. It was 2003. Um, and he passed away. He was old when he passed away. Yeah, no, you know, he spoke many languages. He, he spoke Russian. Seven languages. Mm -hmm. That's right. He, he was actually born in in a country that 
I didn't write it down because I didn't think we would be focusing on this guy. So. He was born in a country in Eastern Europe that was part under the Soviet Union at the time. Why would we focus our, ourselves on Funky Brewster's father? He's like the only star in this movie. Yeah, he's the only one. That's right. Uh, there's the director. God bless. Oli. Oli. Oli was a music video director, and this was a big, big deal for him uh, because he was going to oh, – up there he is, George Gaines. George Gaines up front. Get the star up front like Bruce Willis, and then the last three minutes he shows up. Yeah. No, except he's going away even from this, right? Oh, he's done after this. Bring me Tackleberry. <laughs> punky, oh, Punky. Oh, Punky. All this scene is showing us is Reed Richards is really smart, and he's friends with Ben Grimm, who wouldn't be in the same class with him. He doesn't have his brains at all. So you're talking about Ben Grimm from the Fantastic Four, that big doofus from Yancey Street or whatever, a Clancy Street? or Well, that was the gang that used to teach him. Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, he had a lot of troubles, that Ben Grimm. Yeah. He's, like, he's literally a monster. Oh, he was very grim, and he was literally a monster. Now, what we're learning now is Colossus is coming. Colossus is coming. Now, nothing goes faster than the speed of light except for Colossus, which is a comet-like energy source. It is radioactive, and every 10 years it passes Earth, okay? Uh -huh. But um, it's going to be the closest that it's ever been to Earth tonight. So we Colossus is like a comet or something? Like a yeah, meteor? Yeah, a ball of energy. It's it nothing comes... to do with Galactus. Right. It has nothing to do with Galactus. All right. Colossus. And it is, it is not a comet. It's like energy, like a ball of energy. And it's all whammy-jammy radioactive, and it's zapping the insides and stuff, you know. And they, there's Victor Von Doom yeah. on the left talking uh -huh. with Reed Richards about their plans tonight to harness the energy from Colossus. Oh, okay. I was going to go on a date with Sue Storm, Richard, but I'll, I'll be glad to do your project tonight. What could go <laughs> wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Wait till you meet Sue Storm. She's just a little girl, and you're going to be like, this is creepy. Well, is he a college student? Nope, she's a little girl. She's like nine. Or maybe she's like 12. She's got to be like 12 or 14. You'll see. How old is her brother, Johnny Storm? Like seven or eight from the looks of him. Wait a minute. They well, have kids? I mean, they... This is the or Okay, see these two goofs? Yeah. They're like goons for Victor already. Like Victor is already like a monarch back home. Right, that's right. So... For, it's kind of weird. We don't know. Oh, there she is. There she is. Storm. I can't see Stu Storm. Oh, there she is. She's invisible. <laughs> She's an invisible Ooh. woman. Oh, there's Johnny. Hothead. He's a hothead. Oh, he's playing that video game that looks like a cartoon. Right. The really real, right? Yeah. Look at look at it's drawn. It's a drawn cartoon. They're getting epilepsy. I'm getting epilepsy. <laughs> So that's Ben Grimm, and I guess he's friends with Johnny and uh, Sue. Oh, he likes to hang out with the seven, eight-year-old boy? I guess, yes. 
<clears throat> oh, but it's her boarding house. So I guess he's he's a he lives there. Yeah. And here's Reed Richards, and Sue has a crush on Reed Richards. Oh, they, dreamy. They weren't married in the sixties, right? They got married later. No, they were married in the sixties. Look at the kiss, right? She goes, oh, my, she touches her cheek. She's got a little girl crush on him. Oh, but they're married, right? <laughs> Not <laughs> <know>. yet. <laughs> Oh, so she's going to be like, sure, Victor, I would love to go on a date. And then Reed's like, oh. Reed would be like, that is inappropriate. That's uh, a little girl. Victor Von he Doom. Said, like, he's dreamy. And then Johnny goes, you're gross. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> Why did I get the girl? How come everything goes wrong for a guy named Von Doom? <laughs> Do you think the Fantastic Four is interesting? Okay, so um, when I was 10, 11 years old, um, I would collect comic books. And, yeah, I loved the Fantastic Four. I had them all. Jack Kirby, he was really – his art brought it to life. You were, it felt like you were watching a movie as you read the comics. Right, yeah. Well, everything's so square and weird and misshaped. Right. Yeah. It's all – it's stylized. And he, you know, he's got a theme going on. He's sharp edges and – Creases, you know, he, he does a lot of shading. It's jagged and, you know, like yeah. he would extend the finger out in the drawings and the knuckles would be all like, like it was a skeleton almost. Well, he was always fun, like in outer space. His cartoons would always have like just weird things in the background and foreground and given a chance to do a page, two page spread or one page spread and stuff's kind of all out there. Yeah, I guess that's interesting. But the, the idea of this family just, being superheroes. Yeah, well, they're not a family. Well, I guess you've got a husband, you've got spouses and a right. brother, and then a good friend. They certainly right. become a family. That's but right. Ben Grimm is not related. Here's Colossus. It's the Lazarium, right? Right. Can you imagine, like, a ball of energy is passing, and it's like a lightning. Okay, that's the thing. They're going to suck it up. And they're going to get the whammy jammy. <laughs> You'll see. Oh, so, so they're already planning to harvest this. Yeah, that's right. Because it's coming tonight, and it's the closest they'll ever be to Earth. Only comes around once every 10 years. Right, well, they can come back in another 10 years. Oh, yeah, but they don't want to. It's here. They've got the equipment. they got the tools. they got the power. They're going to so this, this movie reminds me a lot like My Science Project. With this, uh, Dennis Hopper, who had like balls of energy and also electrical devices like this. Don't remember. I do remember that film. Do you like Parker? What was it? Oh, Parker wait a Fisher? second. I was thinking, oh, I was thinking of a different one. You mean the one we saw? Yeah, with Fisher show. Stevens. Yeah. Now, look, Fisher what Stevens, happening uh, is it's, it, it, their calculations weren't right and it's too hot. They can't harness the energy. It's more like it's, like, imagine if you wanted to capture electricity, but instead it, like, heats up your whole, you know, you, you don't have the capacitors for it. So to get in the whammy jammy. Now, Reed is like, let's get out of here. But Doom is like, I will not fail. And so he gets bazapped. See? Right. Are they not going into outer space and get hit by gamma rays and, and come back all weird? That's, it's Well, that's coming. Oh, all right. So what's happening here on Earth? Like, Doom gets hurt first? Yeah, they're grad students. 
They tried to harness Colossus energy. Doom was not being smart about it. Now, look, Ben Grimm just pushed him out of right. the yeah, yeah. jammy. It was just great because the poor animators had to like draw in the, the lightning <laughs> 24 frames a second. Look at his hair. Oh, he must be injured. Well, yeah. They couldn't afford hairspray by that point. Yeah, not on this budget. It was either $1 million or $1.5 million. <clears throat> well, I think that um, uh, Constantini film, okay, Brend Eckhart, I'll say his name right in a minute. Constantini okay. film, like I said, I'll give you $750,000. Corman said he would put in $750,000. So that's a million and a half. But then other times <clears throat> in the Doom documentary on the internet, it says that the budget was $1 million. So that's it. Either the budget is <clears throat> one million or one and a half. Now look, this is Doom's henchman dressed up as a doctor saying, Victor's dead. Really? <clears throat> the long-lived doctor. Right. Now, look at the, sh the shifty eyes when they get on the elevator. The director did that so that we know that something's up. Right. Oh, yeah, this is not your ordinary elevator ride. <laughs> Here it comes now. Look, they look right. at each other. Uh-huh. We fooled uh -huh. them. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's the comedy duo of Hedgeman and Doctor. <laughs> there That's is doc some of that on, on, in here. There's a character called the jewel Jeweler. He was supposed to be the Mole Man because that was a Fantastic Four. Sure, he was in the first issue of Fantastic Four. Maybe you're right. I, th I think you're right about that. Remember there was like some kind of monster breaking out of the sidewalk? and then Right. Yeah. On the cover, yeah. Yeah. I don't like know if a... it was the first one, because the first one was the origin story, but, but you might be right. Okay, now they're like, we must save the monarch. Now, why are they concealing his death? Why aren't they using the real doctors to help him? This It doesn't make sense in the real world why they would... Why would they want Reed Richards to think he's dead? Why? Ten years later. Ten, Ten years later. The Baxter Building. Oh, yeah, right. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. How did that Baxter Building come? Whatever, ten years later. Ten years later, they're looking at a rocket to go into outer space. And Reed Richards, who's graying? Now he's graying. Sure, he's got to get that, that classic Reed Richards look. <laughs> He's talking to Ben Grimm going, you promised to be the pilot if I ever got this whammy jammy machine in the air. Do you think that that Pixar movie ripped off Fantastic Four? The Incredibles? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but they're a family and there's four of them and they're superheroes. That's mom, dad, and two kids. That's not what we got here. Besides, they just ripped off comic books. Right. But do you know the story that DC created their own Fantastic Four called the oh. Terrifics? They figured, like, because Fantastic Four, for some reason, like, they just stopped making it, – it, was, it wasn't their property, right? It was a Fox property. It was Sony. And uh, it was Fox, I think. And Fox was making these movies or whoever was making these movies, Sony or what have you. It wasn't Marvel, Disney. Mm -hmm. and. What I always heard was that the Marvel comics just didn't even bother with Fantastic Four because they weren't making money off of the movies or anything like that. So the actual comic wasn't around for a bit. 
it's back. There's a very elaborate storyline with uh, uh, Reed and Susan's kids, uh, uh-huh. Valeria and uh, Franklin. And Franklin's like a super genius who becomes the next watcher. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Boy, he, he gave birth to something that was a kid who was going to go places. Yeah, right, right, right. But I always felt bad watching these uh, Marvel Disney movies where uh, the smartest scientist is re is no Tony Stark, and the the richest scientist is well the Wasp guy, but you know what I mean. Like they never uh, it, Reed Richards. Reed Richards has the money and the technology. Reed Richards right. should be building the Spider Man suit. It's Reed Richards instead it's, of um, Tony Stark. Tony Stark, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, that would have been a much, much better uh, – that would have made a lot more sense, and they wouldn't have had to – I don't know. They wrecked up Spider-Man's – okay, wait. i got to stop. Look, okay. this is her. Now she's not 14, okay? I guess she's 24 now. Right, 10 years later. So that would make him – let's see. If he's a grad student, he had to be over 22. He's in his <laughs> so 30s. He's like, yeah, he's like 36 or something to her 24. So he – Okay, this makes no sense again in the real world. Ben Grimm is like, if I'm going to pilot. No, he doesn't even say that. They just show up at their house to get these two kids to be their team their, in the rocket ship. Yeah, go, why not? Well, he says they're not astrophysicists, and then Ben Grimm says they know more about this project than anyone alive. But don't you think it's a big coincidence that the monarch who gets his face defigured and becomes Doctor Doom happens to be the best friend of the guy who started Fantastic Four? I mean, all oh, this is crap. It's like an origin story to me. Yeah, how about this? One thing happens somewhere, one thing happens somewhere else, and maybe they meet. It's What a coincidence. It's like, wow, your best friend is Lex Luthor? <laughs> what a coincidence. He's this trying to look, stop you. This looks like Men in Black, I think. Men in White. The building, the building. Oh, the building. Now, about to meet the mole, who is not the mole. He's the jeweler. Okay. Oh, is he popping his head? Yes, he is out of the sewer pipes. He looks like the But the thing is, I think the mole in the films was solitary, right? He didn't have minions, did he? I think he had minions, including that big monster from the cover. Yeah, you know, I get the mole man mixed up with the mole from Mad Magazine, the guy who kind of like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that nose, nose, that ugly yeah. nose. Okay, so Ben Grimm has just clumsily knocked into some lady who's dropped her <clears throat> statue. She because it's what's her name, Allison, his his love of his life. Great guess. It's Alicia. Alicia, yeah, you know exactly who it is. So now they're going to meet each other, and then Ben Grimm's going to be like, I'm in love. Now, this is acting. Because she's blind, she's got to feel Ben's face. Now, she got this job. She went to the audition, and there were all these, you know, she was a stage actress, and there were all these, like, beautiful models there. And she's like, I'm the way I'm getting this. And when they had her do a very emotional scene, and she did it, and they're like, wow, you can really act. So she figured out all these models. I mean, they're yeah. eye candy. She got the jump. <clears throat> you know, you don't want her to be eye candy. It's, it's such a ridiculous thing anyway. Like, the, the point is, like, in the 70s at least, she was blind. And right. that's why she loved the thing. Because the, th- and the, the thing felt that because right. she could deformity. See. Right. Right. But the thing felt it. Like, she, she never really had that issue. 
because she obviously knew she was dating the thing. She could right? feel that she was hugging a rock. Right. It's not like, oh, I can't see your face. I can't tell you're a giant rock fan. Now, look, see the mole? Yes. He's taking a liking to our Alicia. Oh, this is complicated. So much so that he wants her to be his queen. Oh, the jeweler queen, of course. Ridiculous. Of course, that makes no sense. If you've talked about this before, how like the world is its own little universe, and you were just saying before, oh, it just coincidentally, Doctor Doom gets burned by the, you know, oh, you're right. Lex Luthor's boyhood friend. Oh, what a coincidence. Here's our goons again 10 years later. They're looking good. They must have some good goon insurance. (laughs) That's right. It could be they're looking good because really it wasn't 10 years later. It was like the next day of filming. This took 25 days to shoot. But they never released this movie. That's right. We, you know, anytime you want the history of this movie, and we talked about it the first year of our show when we watched it, and it's in the documentary, which makes it so fascinating. The story of this movie is, the movie is good, but the story is even better, you know? And I have to give credit to the movie that the movie is entertaining on its own, but... Yeah, without the backstory. Yeah. Now, this crystal here, remember I told you, like, it was too much energy from Colossus, and it right. started frying the circuits and gave them, the, you know, so that's why they got the whammy jammy. Well, now they've got anti-whammy jammy crystal. All the power will go into the crystal and then be distributed out to the machinery, and it will have cooled. Colossus will have cooled, and they can harness the energy. The old anti-whammy-jammy gun. Uh, uh, Crystal. Excuse me, crystal. Cried out. Well, they're going to cut it with fentanyl and sell it for toys. (laughs) Look at that big, like, close-up of a stop of a traffic light. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon called. He wasn't bad single bat. (laughs) And the logo. So this uh, burned Eichiger. Do I say it right? Burned Eichiger, right? He went to, he worked for Constantini Films and he was a big wig over there. And he went to Stan Lee and was like, you know, in 80, what is it? 80, it's not in front of me right now, but it was in the 80s. And he said, we would like to make Fantastic Four. Now, back then, there was the Hulk on TV. You know what I mean? There was that Spider-Man. Like, they weren't making blockbuster movies. We watched the the Spider-Man TV show was repurposed into a theatrically released European movie. We watched that version. Uh, Howard the Duck is a famous bad movie. That's always considered the first Marvel movie uh, made. Uh, It's terrible, but it's on YouTube, too. Did you already watch it in your past life? Did you uh, already yeah. see it on the show? None of the show we haven't done. My YouTube stopped, Carl. Okay. So I should pause. Yeah. I think there was like a power outage. In the... I'm at uh, 2203. Okay. Hang on a sec. Yeah. There was just a, an outage. The light went out and uh, the TV went out. Neighbors don't want to hear this. They can't handle the truth. I have the window open behind me. There was a cat sticking his head in the window. Really? Not your cat? No, my cat. My cat was. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm at 2203. What about you? 
I'm waiting to, I'm rebooting up my machine. Oh, okay. I'm gonna pause. What happened? Oh, and I'll press go. Three, two, okay, 2303. 32203 for those editing at home, Carl. 2203. Three, two, one, go. So the collector is coming up to Ben Grimm's girlfriend, who's not his girlfriend yet. Well, the mole man guy, the jeweler. The jeweler. It's so interesting. I like when, when superhero movies come up with their own heroes. <laughs> right? They're like, fuck it. Sure, I can do uh, Wonder Woman's front, uh, villains, or I'll just come up with my own. What the hell? Yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. We're already shooting. So, <laughs> I mean, they didn't have the rights to this. Just Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom. They didn't have the Mole Man. 1986, they spent $250,000. They gave it to Marvel and got the rights to this. But then it was scheduled to expire at the last second of 1992, December 31, they wouldn't give them an extension because they got some interest now and in bigger. So the only way he could keep the rights, Constantini films, was to start going into production of the movie. Okay, then that they they had you know they it didn't expire because they were in production. So right. so then. He called on Troma Films first and had a lot of discussions with them, but Troma didn't want to touch it because the Fantastic Four is beloved and to make a movie, movie of it, it wasn't going to be celebrated. You know, comic people were going to hate it, he thought. Now, hang on a second. When you say he thought, you're talking about Lloyd Kaufman, head of Troma Films, on right. the documentary, thing, taking a deep breath of fresh air before speaking and mm -hmm. sucking all the oxygen out of the room. Right? Yeah. All right? Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> well, too bad Troma didn't make a Fantastic Four. I would definitely watch that as well. I probably won't. If it's Troma, I probably won't be able to make it through it. <laughs> <laughs> we only saw one Troma film. We watched Troma's War, right, which right. is an all-on assault, which, by the way, boy, <laughs> my sides are still hurting from laughing that hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mole Man has snuck into their ship and he took the real crystal and he gave him the fake one because he because wants the real one. Look at him jumping through the lasers. Who's he looking at Dr. Doom is watching him. Yeah, because Dr. Doom was going to take the crystal. Right. And then this guy just did it. So he's, Doom is like, ha ha, thank you for doing the job for me. We'll it's just for now get it from you. It's very hard for me to sit through this as a Cool Keith fan and not think of Cool Keith's Dr. Doom's album, which just has four O's in it, or like five O's, Dr. Doom, including the classic song, Dr. Doom is in the room. <laughs> Dr. Doom is in the room. Is that what, was that gloom? No, okay, here we are. Wow, they must have spent their entire budget on this. Right, on buying the stock footage from NASA. Right. Good news, I got stock footage from NASA. Bad news is the Space Shuttle Challenger. Good night, people. Now, Corman was the next one he called, or maybe they talked at the same time. I don't know. <clears throat> Corman was like, hell yeah, we'll do it. A million dollars? No problem. No problem. I really think that Corman and uh, 
Carpalipolo. Really, we're going to release this thing. They just they had to make it, you know. I kind of don't know what's in Burned, Burned's mind, you know. But Corman was going to release it. It was going to be a film that he thought was going to go to theater. But in actuality, they just needed something in production so legally they can keep the rights to Fantastic Four. Yeah, you see this burned Echinger? He's the same guy who made the real ones, Mike. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, he must have, right. So he succeeded. He was able to hold on to the... the uh, yeah, and he did Fantastic Four, and he did the Rise of the Silver Surfer. Right, which, to be credited to you, are both terrible movies. This is yeah, so much absolutely. better. Well, I don't know that this is better. This is old-fashioned, corny, go, let's go to space now, with the special look, effects. Well, that was the comic book. Now, look, the crystal is bullshit, so they're going to, again, get the whammy-jammy, just like Victor. How did the jeweler find a gem that looked exactly like the gem? <laughs> and if he found it, why couldn't he find the, uh, the real gem, the other half of the uh, real I don't know. This is what I would say it doesn't make sense in the real world, but since you said it, I have the urge to go... Hey, it's a movie. You gotta forgive it a couple. No, you're right. It's bullshit. Look, there's the whammy jammy in action. See those colors? It's like right. 1964, 65. Oh, this is before 2001 came out in 68? <laughs> yeah, right. Look at this. That's another like 60 psychedelia. Like the whammy jammy's really fucking with them. Now, was it the same gamma rays that the Hulk got on Earth? Well, yeah, in space, it was gamma rays in the comic book. Right. And gamma rays, pretty much everything. You know, the spider, the spider on Spider-Man was just radioactive, okay? It, it was a gamma rays? No, it wasn't a gamma <laughs> But it got Bruce Banner belted by gamma rays, turned right. into the Hulk. What about the Fantastic Four theme yep. song? Look at that. They're dead. Fantastic hey. Four died. And Doom's going, ah! Oh, <laughs> How can he watch that? Where is he watching that? Because from his own room. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is ridiculous. And he would have a camera inside of Reed Richards' spaceship and see the mole guy. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. He had a satellite follow the spaceship, so the satellite fed the video yeah. to Doom's closed-circuit television set right in the throne room. Which was but, not at the same angle as the throne. It was very obnoxious watching the TV because you had to like turn like this. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable. There was no TV in front of him when you see him on the throne. No, it's, it's on the side. So you have to actually sit like this on the throne and or, oh. or, or get out of the like what's the point of having a throne if it's not facing the TV? <laughs> I'm the king of the castle, Alice. I'm the king. Turn my throne towards the TV, young lady. Ralph. We can only fit the flat of TV set on this side of the of our apartment, Ralph. The other side is the fire escape. Oh, uh, Norton, why'd you give me this widescreen TV? <laughs> I wanted one right on the right on the dresser here in the kitchen. You know, yes, the dresser wrong. right here in the kitchen. You walk in the house and there's a dresser. It's outrageous. Now you know that I know that you know that a TV set could fit right on the dresser. I liked my vacuum tube. Chubby, black and white TV. Hello. Okay, so they've crashed, right? But look at the ship. It's all fucked up. But they're perfectly fine. 
His hair is even better. I think they got a haircut for the for the accident. It looks like his his hair makes him look like he already burst into flames. <laughs> All right, he's Johnny Storm. Now, come on, like these superheroes are ridiculous. What are you going to do? Walk around the streets of New York on fire? Flame on! Like what? All of Manhattan is covered with spider webs and then flames. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's go. It's a cross town. No problem. Now, in one of the Avengers movies, it, like, talks about that, like, how innocent people get killed and, you know, because sure. the Avengers roll into town and fucking fight some robot and everybody, you know. Oh, Ultron fucked up some fictitious country, right? Yep, yep. yep. Where we from? Into space. Yeah, that's some bullshit. Uh, Ultron. Ultron. <laughs> there was a whole civil war based on that. But nothing to do with this movie. Uh, absolutely not. Okay, so now it's like Sue is invisible. And they're Whoa. like, what the fuck? What the yeah. fuck? Oh, there's this... Ha uh, ha, uh, I'm the better sibling. <laughs> so this woman was the con costume designer, or is it a band? And the name is Revive Richards. Isn't that funny? Like, it's, yeah. it's not Reed Richards. Okay, so in 93, he went to a place called Golden Apple Comics, a store on Melrose right. Avenue. Right down the street. And he went to buy Fantastic Four comic books for research. And I don't know, he's buying them and talking or whatever. And so he's he explained that he was the costume designer for this new thing. He's got to do the research. So, like, they all swarmed him. And we're like, are you going to do justice to this? He goes, well, that's why I'm buying the comics. Yeah, I'm reading up on it. I need a... Reeve Richards. I'm do you have any Marvel comics, my good Mar sir? Marvel. Marvel. Mar I'm looking for comics of the detective sort. Would you please? I'm making a movie based on the Fantastic Four. What's your budget? Oh, money is an object. <laughs> yeah, money's no yeah. object. Nobody is an object. Okay, so they're kind of stranded here, and they're going to go through a lot of stuff. But I just want to explain something before it happens. An army's going to show up, but you got to know that they're a fake army. They're really Dr. Doom's, I don't know. Did they land in Doomlandia? They didn't land in Doomlandia. They land, I don't know where they landed, but they got found by Doom first, so he pretended the military found. Well, because, I mean, if, if Jeff Bezos sent the rocket out in space, <laughs> you know the police will be there when it crashes. <laughs> they got it for him. Fantastic Four is such a terrible live-action idea. You got a man on fire, then you got a guy who looks like I took my crayons when I was six and I drew a big rock monster. <laughs> right? Like... This movie has no budget, so I'm going to give it a hard pass on whatever the thing's going to look like in this film, right? <laughs> but I've seen the Fantastic Four movie in the sequel. Yeah. Michael Chiklis looks ridiculously mm -hmm. stupid in that green outfit. And then, uh, have you seen the last Fantastic Four yeah, movie? Yeah, the Silver Server. No, no, no. After that, there was a, a reboot remake. I'll have to watch it. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> or no, I shouldn't have to watch it. Oh, uh, definitely, yeah. You definitely want to get the DVD for Netflix on that one. <laughs> well, if I can't stream it anywhere. 
Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, check the dumpster. Have you checked, like, uh, not Redbox, but Dumpster Fire? They might have it. It's terrible. It's really lethargic. It's just boring. And Oh, the only interesting thing in that movie, well, Michael B. Jordan's in it. And uh, he's Johnny Storm. Oh, Michael B. Jordan? I, I mean, yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I saw yeah. it. Yeah, you saw it. It didn't suck. Okay, yeah, that's fair enough. It didn't suck. Um, way down in Louisiana, close to New- what's his name? What's his name? Michael B. Moore. What's his name? Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Way down in Louisiana, close to New Orleans, up into the woods and the evergreens, lived a country boy who never could read so good. Do you know the song? Michael, Michael Jordan be good. <laughs> Johnny be good. Yes. Jordan uh-huh. E. Good. Let me try that at the open mic. I got to write it. Okay. Hey, well, that's, I wish you best of luck. <laughs> Jordan B. Good. Johnny B. Good. All right. Michael B. Jordan. Okay. So there was this guy at Marvel. His name was Avi something who I just know that's an Israeli name. And he was going to, you know, make the big. Uh, budget Fantastic Four with Eichinger. And so he was the one who called up Roger Corman and said, look, I will pay you a million dollars. You just stop. Don't release the film. Cut everything off. And so Corman said, okay. And he explained <laughs> why. I was gonna, I'm going to make a big budget. I can't have this dirtying the wa- polluting the waters. It would. I would. Do you feel that way if this came out? Uh, no. I think it would have been fun to come out. I think this was the time. Look how she's getting so passionate. She's rubbing the clay on her lips. Right. Now she's going to get abducted and stolen by the minions of the Molmad. In the Molmad has minions. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Headsmen and minions. The jeweler. I don't know. This jeweler. It's unimpressive. His credits. He's a English actor. Um, stage and television, successful career in the States, uh, West End on Broadway across America. He appeared in the U.S. as Young Victor Company. I, I guess he, he was a – he was in some movies. He was on, in a TV movie, Alice Through the Looking Glass. He was in Joseph and the Amazing Teleco- Technicolor Dreamcoat. I don't know. He's got some chops, but this is a delivery person, and we're having flirting. Yeah, yeah, this is really. But it's kinda... one-sided. Well, so the the movie were the other movie, the last one was Josh Trank directed it. But wow. what I always amazed me about it, and I'm looking for, is that uh, Sue Storm, and then I guess the dad, like uh, Doctor Frank Franklin Storm. Uh, they were both in House of Cards. And I was like, wow, I just sat through House of Cards and two of the actors are in it. I got that feeling like we have premium cable and then you watch like a show that's only on premium cable and they show up in a movie and you go, oh, that's those guys from that premium cable show I paid to watch. <laughs> what am I, oh, what a ripoff this movie is. Now that's, it's the Sue Storm one you saw, right? yeah. yeah. She is a she was like a Ford agency model or something, but she got onto Guiding Light and her career took off. I mean, she was on Beverly Hills 
90120 and Seinfeld and Dharma the, and Greg. The Sue Storm in which movie? Desperate Housewives in this movie that we're watching oh, now. Perfect. Well, that's oh, one thing I really liked about the documentary is that they gave the actors ample time to talk about this because they yeah. were being led on and they were encouraging them to go to these conventions and lead on their fans. No, I don't. Th I don't think so. I, I think that Roger Corman thought it was going to release. Right, but okay, I, sure. So Roger Corman. Okay, after they made the film, the post production kind of remember, yeah. it halted, and I think maybe why would Corman do that? But there was a point where they were. I mean, maybe they were really. They really did feel this movie was coming out, and they yeah. went to these conventions. And, uh, you know, most no notorious, which I really liked from the documentary, and I mentioned this the first time around, was that it was on the cover of a magazine I would go to, like, Tower Records and buy back in the day, cool. Film Threat. And it was on the cover of Film Threat magazine, the Fantastic Four, Roger Corman production, and it was the only magazine that was covering it. And it gave that it credibility. Whole, that guy was there the whole shooting, remember? He said he was there because he was really a fan. Right, the, the the publisher film thread was given access, so he was like the voice telling. This is of course before the internet, but it you know yeah. it was like you would read about it in Film Thread magazine. So you get your news from Film Thread. It legitimized this. Somebody along the line knew that this would not be released uh, ultimately. And well, that that thing came out right at the. Remember, he was there for the whole filming. I think. I think that everyone thought it was going to be theatrical released, even Roger Corman at that point. Right. And don't forget, Carnosaur around that time came out as a theatrically released. It, you know, his films were theatrically released. Yeah, you know, what's funny is is what we're seeing right now, a lot of it is um, recycled Carnosaur sets. Really? Yeah. That was in the documentary we saw. Oh, my God. Well, we also watched Carnosaur. Yeah. L W A F L M O Y T. Yeah, what a disgusting. So it wasn't it just was the Carnosaur film. Yeah, it wasn't just Carnosaurs on the loose. Diane Lamb figured a way to make women get impregnated by Carnosaurs. Yeah, just by getting the virus. Yeah, the the DNA was in you. I mean, after I saw that film, my Carna was sore. Oh man, talk about a Carnosaur. Oof. Okay, now. They're like they all know they have powers now, except Ben Grimm is not a freak yet. Okay, so okay. they all know they have powers now. Look, it looks like the army's showing up now. If this is really doom tricking them, that guy's American accent is excellent. He goes, "Begging your pardon, sir." I mean, it's excellent. <laughs> you know, they taught him in Latvia how to do an American accent. Right, Latvia. Well, they got the flags and everything. They're making Right, we're America. Hi, home. Oh, Homer, sit. You look like Homer. Right. Hey, dude. Yeah. What are you, Bart? Now they say, "Oh no, fire at that ugly monster thing." There he is. I'm Ben Grimm. I'm oblivious that I'm a rock. Hey guys, boy, great to shake off those gamma rays. Tell you, I was dreading them. I've got your new nickname. It's Rocky. <laughs> Don't you dare call me Rocky. He's got that's, the teeth. That's what the Clancy Street Gang should have done. He hated the Clancy Street Gang. 
Yeah, they would throw bottles at him, rocks. Okay, so there's an anatomic face, you know, helmet he's wearing. And and he like he's moving the mouth, but you see how the lip moves and stuff. Right, yeah. You saw it in the documentary, right? Right. It, it, it's all mechanical, and apparently they did a good job. It you think it hurt the guy? It didn't hurt the guy, did it? No, I think he, the guy bitches about the not bitches. I mean, it's legitimate. It's a it's hot. Here it is. Uh, Claro found the suit to be the hottest fucking thing he ever wore. He was this guy's a big stunt man. It's not the same actor. The actor who plays Ben Grimm is oh, not right. who we're seeing on screen right now. Well, that's a relief, right? <laughs> you don't have to wear the suit. I'll, I'll do anything right act. Okay, we well, got to wear a suit. Uh... As a matter of fact, they work together a lot. Like, to, what? How would you do it? Like, what are your mannerisms? Sure. That's yeah. They did. <laughs> You see that a lot sometimes, like Doom Patrol. They have a guy voiced by uh, Brendan Gleese, uh, Fraser. So it's like, wow, Brendan Fraser. But it, for most time, it's someone else, you know, acting. So here is a bunch of funny. Wait, are you talking about Brendan Fraser? Or uh, Doom... He's on Doom, Doom Patrol. He plays the voice of a robot. So it's a okay. live action guy in a robot suit. But it's the voice is him, so he must do it at a certain point. Well, I'm glad he's getting work. That's really cool. I yeah. just love him. Oh, he's terrific. He's the best part of that show. So now we're getting a bunch of jokes. You know, have a seat. Seat cr collapses. You know, I'm going to take a blood sample. Not sure how I'm going to uh, do it. Hey, thanks for coming to my – I'm Alec Baldwin. Thanks for coming to my podcast, Here's the Thing. It's basically we're going to talk about you, the thing. So here's the thing with Alec Baldwin. <laughs> here's the thing right yeah. now. There he is. There he is. He's right Ladies there. Okay, now here's the thing. Now Ladies here's the thing. Come, uh, clobbering time. <laughs> that would be cool. I hate that phrase. Unless the thing actually smashes through the wall after you say it. Yeah. Yeah. Now Johnny figures out. He says, "Flame on and flame off." I guess we figured out the magic words, Doc. Really, like a Shazam moment? <laughs> yeah. And thank God only burned his hand. Otherwise, his jacket would have caught on fire. Now, when I was first watching this thing, I was like, this is cheap. We never see him fly like in the comic. And then at the end, they satisfy. He oh, really yeah. Flies. This looks like a commercial for like an Activision game. Like, you ready to beat the doctor? Do, 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 do. <laughs> Activision presents Dr. Needles on Atari 2600. What? Whoa! Like you think that was actually pretty good, pretty funny, you know. Yeah, that's the thing with this movie. No one's terrible in this film. They all do their job. Yeah, and in this documentary, you know, they really get the sense. I mean, they each have their like personalities we got to deal with, but you get the sense from the documentary. Uh, they all were very genuine. It was going to be a step up. You see, that's Latvia. And it's the castle, and that's really where they're being held. They think they're on an army base. Right, yeah. They think they're at like Cape Canaveral or Fort Knox. Right. Victor von Doom. Dr. Doom is in the room. So what he's saying right now is, you know, they come to the conclusion they're gonna suck out the the Colossus power out of the four of them and put it all into Doom. 
and he'll be like the uber ultra being. Right. Oh, I see. That's stupid. <laughs> That's not Doom. <laughs> he wants to rub it into Reed's face. <laughs> well, he wanted Reed, you know, to get killed, and he was going to take the uh, jewel from the jeweler so that he could have his own whammy jammy steal the Colossus energy, okay? I guess he has to wait 10 years. It's not really explained. Right, that's the thing, right? Like, what's the rush now? Yeah. He should have planned to take it and used it during the 10-year. Well, what's happening right now is he kind of doesn't need Colossus because he can steal it from the Fantastic Four. Because what he's got is his own whammy jammy sucker machine. And it no, takes their chest and sucks out their power. Is that the same actor under that mask? Yeah. Right. It's the guy we saw as young Victor. Oh, the henchman looking good. Looking good. Looking good. Nice guys, turn. Guys look like uh, Walton Goggles and, I don't know. It's not a screenwriter friend. What is it? There's that stupid English cartoon like Grommel and. Oh, right. Yeah. Wallace and Gromit. Gromit. I shouldn't say stupid. It's not stupid. I enjoyed it very much, but I'm just looking back on it, thinking of it now, and stupid came to mind. Well, that's because you're an adult, and you don't have a kid <laughs> in the room. But, yeah, no, it's good stuff. Listen, his cheese, and there was the wrong trousers, and there was, like, a were-rabbit bunny, and there was a... That was a good one, were-rabbit. Yeah. Okay, so right now, they're going to see the jeweler say, we'll give you money for that jewel, and, like, the henchmen are, like, you know, they're surrounding them and stuff. Oh, I don't know. Anytime God. these guys are around, it's a comedic moment. You see, I don't like that about the film. Sometimes Dr. Doom is comedic. Like, he's a goofy uh, monarch. And other times, when he's around the Fantastic Four, he's fucking serious, and he's an evil man, you know? You know, when he, anyway, he talks to his minions, and it sounds dopey. Well, you know, I guess, like, Fantastic Four never existed in a, in a vacuum. I mean, I guess it did ultimately with with the, but because in the sixties it came out during like, I don't know, Spider Man and Doctor Strange. They was the Avengers and the Iron Man, and they yeah. they had like other people to bounce off of. Uh, but I guess in this movie and in the Sony movies, they just they weren't part of that universe. Yeah, that's right. It, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is made by some other film conglomerate corporation. Right. Than but, uh, Fantastic Four. Were. Well, they've been always like teasing that they're going to re reintroduce the Fantastic Four in the movies and have the guy from The Office play Reed Richards. Well, uh, I think it's actually a very good time for them to. Add, they need some life in Marvel Cinematic Universe because what are they, they going to do? They're going to be like, "Hey, uh, unbeknownst to you, I too am a super scientist, billionaire, genius with my own building in New York City." <laughs> but well, I waited for Tony Stark to die. Okay, wouldn't it be neat if their first film? Uh, I guess you got to have the origin backstory, but I'm saying by the end yeah. of the film, they're on like the observation side of this Thanos bullshit, right? And they, so the first movie would be about them dealing as superheroes with half the population missing or whatever. Right, maybe one maybe of them is missing. Two, yeah, or something like that. And And do you remember that scene at the end when they're all – you know, like all the superheroes in the world come out to fight Thanos. Right. You, 
they could be just some boots on the ground and we see the ending scene from their perspective, you know, with them, what's over the hill? Come on, Reed, you know, and and then Sue will come back. Sue, you know. She'll be like, hey, they said this open mic was an open mic, but I, I the raffle is bullshit. They picked my name. I was like 32. I think they did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. They don't know me. It was the superhero open mic, right? Yeah, superhero open mic. And we're going to do a bucket. We're going to do a bucket. Uh, number 39, Sue Storm. <laughs> well, the first, one, bullshit. The first one picked was uh, Thanos, because when they yeah. all came, they were looking at him, so it was all comedians in the audience. And then number two is Anthony Quinn. Number three was the Wasp. <laughs> it's a bit rigged. It was rigged. Okay, so now they've abducted Alicia, and they're like, we want the diamond. And he goes, no, it's for my girlfriend. And there's this funny scene where they pull out guns to threaten them, and then the whole room pulls out guns on them. Oh, all right. It appears to outnumbered. So they kick him out. One of the best things about Fantastic Four was when they weren't the four Fantastic Four. There was a robot in uh, one of the animated series. They they couldn't license oh, one of the characters. Torch. Yeah, the Human Torch was replaced by Robbie the Robot kind of little guy. Yeah, it was like Herbie or like he was Fantastic Five. Mm-hmm. And also in the comics, uh, She-Hulk was a member. I don't remember that. Well, you should I- check out... The mm-hmm. Terrifics, right? The DC comic. It has Plastic Man. It has Professor <laughs> Mr. Terrific. It has like uh, this girl who's a ghost who kind of is invisible. And then it has like this big hulking guy. Does it have Water Man instead of. Yeah, they have Water Man. They said, the fuck you. Marvel, if you're not going to do Fantastic Four, we'll do one. <laughs> so they're like. Okay, he said no, Dr. Doom. So Doom was like, I will take care of this personally. He's going to get the... the um... Maybe the crystal is needed to suck the whammy jammy out of them, Mike. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's not about waiting 10 years. Well, yeah, they're going to keep him in the castle for 10 years? No, th- right, he, right now they're... Whoa, Batman. That wipe, yeah, that was for fighting. Instead of spending the money on a fight scene, they did that. So they knocked out the guards because they're starting to... Well, they don't know it's doom or anything, but, like, something's not right. Right. Yeah, man, the Fantastic Four movie with Michael Chiklis wearing a trench coat, and he's, like, in the rain in the alley, and he's, like, yeah. seeing his girlfriend with someone else. He's, like, all sad or whatever yeah. it was. It was just, like... That's straight out of Kirby, by the way. Oh, yeah, and he's kind of pouring rain on you. Yeah, it's pouring rain in the alleyway as the thing is, you know, going through some personal trauma. And then clank, clank, bam, on the side of his head. The yo, he clancy screen, boy! <laughs> See you later, Rocky! Don't call me that! But well, they all talked in that like Kirby Brooklynese, or they're like, "Yo, we're the newspaper boys, we're newsies, we're the newsy corps." Yeah, hey, they call me Mumbles. I don't know, they call me Mumbles. And uh, uh, my name is Flipper. I I like to, I have a scuba gear. Everything I say is Flipper. Maybe we can go in the water. Not yet, Scuba Man. The guy, he's got his hat sideways. Yeah, right. And he talks like this. Yeah, they call me the mouth. We saw we were so hard on you. 
the news legion boy just like and then they go fight in world war ii because kirby like he had a guy like him and his partner they they were cranking out world war ii comics mm-hmm. including captain the original captain america and all that yeah, stuff Jeff mariner was in it yeah and it was like the newsboys the news legion or something and then when he went back to dc in the 70s he said you know what i'm gonna take my old character that i did bring him back the newsies. You know, uh, preteens from the 40s really got a bad rap with this fucking play called Newsies because now they all, you think they all sell the paper. I mean, it, do you remember uh, the Baxter Boys with Satch and Moe? Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, those are the real, like, like that's what we should be calling, not Newsies, we should be calling them, uh, what was the name of that gang? They were all in the gang. Now you lost me, man. The Bowery know. Boy, the back. Oh, the ba- oh, the, the dead Bowery. Street. Yeah, the Bowery Boys. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm just bemoaning the fact that Newsies fucked that up for the people of that era. Oh, thank I, God! They, you mean now we can't watch the the Dead End Street Kids or whatever they was. No, the, but now, like, anytime you see some kid from the '40s, like a nine yeah. years old or something, you, you think, think the he's Christian Bale singing a number. Yeah. I miss I miss Newsies. How how do I know when the early evening edition is out? Right? I don't. It used to be some kid would just tell me extra extra. How's the web? Someone got shot. We got a picture. Early edition. Early evening edition. Oh, the early evening edition's out. (laughs) Late evening edition. Final evening edition. The evening paper wasn't the paper of the day. It was like one extra section printed that had some breaking news shit, you know? Yeah, usually it's like breaking news and then it's just repurposed. Yep. And second edition wasn't out every day. It was a fucking newsworthy day, like the presidential election or something. I don't know. Like, the newspapers were so dense with information. It wasn't like... Mm-hmm. That was where people... The information all came through there. Yep. Okay, so now what we're getting is like we're learning his plot. You guys aren't going anywhere. I'm gonna suck the juice out of you. And they're like, ha ha ha. Now for some stupid reason, and and the writers weren't rookies. He's going to pull the super the super villain thing of leaving the room and having his henchmen do it. Oh right. Plus the Fantastic Four kicked their ass. He is royalty. He's not gonna get his hands dirty. No, but. He's got whammy jammy powers and stuff, you know. But they don't realize that like Bob Odekirk from Nobody is in the house. <laughs> he looks like nobody. He's nobody. He's Mr. Nobody. Who are you? I'm nobody. Punch me a couple of times so I could kick you back. I don't know about that, old man. Now the actors themselves were the ones who like were doing the promotion and paying for the promotion. Right. When this thing got was in post-production like they stopped spending money on it they weren't rushing to edit it you know and they weren't promoting it they had to like guerrilla warfare edit it on their own and um they like you had said before they went to they did a movie uh, they went to comic conventions and they did this like premiere in which they showed the trailer yeah and they were gonna open it at mall of america in minnesota Okay, so apparently this Avi guy was in Puerto Rico, and he had a Fantastic Four T-shirt on because he wanted to make the big budget Fantastic Four films. And this kid on this on in the in the you know hotel or whatever said, "Hey, are you going to the Fantastic Four premiere?" And Avi was like, "What?" 
Fantastic Four premiere. So that's when he called Roger Corman and said, look, I'll give you a bunch of money. Don't do this. Don't make it. Cease and desist. Halt. And that's when Corman called it off and it wasn't premiered. Wow. But then it didn't stop because this is, you know, this was after Newsies, but before the internet. So what we had was bootleg <laughs> copies. And that's how people knew about it. In yeah. 1994, if you wanted to see this movie, you would go to a hipster video store, like right. Naked Tongue in San Francisco or, or the other eye and third eye. And then they would have it for rent. And it would be like, this is it. This is the bootleg 1994 Roger Corman Fantastic Four. <laughs> bootleg, it, exactly. Yeah. And it would be like it would be of this quality, if not even worse, like sixth generation dubbed. Yeah, uh, only the said. director says that he brought it to a dub house to, you know, like they would print out mass copies of stuff for the major film. He said, Look, I just need two or three copies of this. He says that's probably the day it got leaked. They took it and some co copy guy was like, Cool. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic four. Four. Now, I'm getting a copy of this. And because they didn't have the negatives, that's why uh, the only copy that Oli had was not from the negatives. It was a kind of crappy one, but he was right. like, that's all he had. So he's like, dub this, please. And that's why it was born bad looking. Right. Yeah, which is it's fine. It works. Works so in favor. Yeah, now stupid Doom comes in the room and is like, what happened here? God damn it. Guys, I turned my back and suddenly there's a four logo. We're back in the Baxter building. This won't stand. I gave no, 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 no. you had one job. You had one job. Kill the Fantastic Four. How can you fuck that up? I left the room. I closed the door on you. I, 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 that reminds me of Superman 3. When he's on the phone with Reed with uh Riot, Richard Pryor, yeah. and he's like, I ask you to kill Superman. <laughs> you can't even do that one little thing. Yeah, right. All I ask is you be in a room with the thing, a man who will burn you on fire, a woman who will choke you to death when you least expect it. And so a guy who will trip you. This doesn't make sense anymore in the world again. Like, they're out of Latvia, and boom, they're home. And like, back the I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, it would be like if it was, I don't know, you you call the cops and say, Boy, I was abducted. I mean, you know what I mean? They were just like, we got, we got away. You're right where he knows where you. I you know, saw the movie. They were in Latvia. There was a four logo went right into the screen, and Woo! then you're back at home. <laughs> what, what, what? I don't understand. What do you want? It got from A to B with thanks to the number four. <laughs> I so, love that hair lick. Right now, like Sue was getting all sweet saying, look, if anything happens, like she, she was almost about to say, I love you. You know what I mean? And he go is he goes, Why am I so shy around you? And he goes, What'd you say? Why am I so shy around you? Shy, that's why you turn invisible. You're a hothead, Johnny. That's why you flame on. Yeah, it's I, I so corny. Yeah. And you're a rock hard erection. And that's why you're the thing. <laughs> you always use brute strength when scientific know-how would have gotten you there quicker, Ben. So he's saying Colossus took, you know, our DNA was altered. He's got the blood. He says Colossus took, like, what's the worst of us and turned it into a strength. 
Reed, that's such a stretch. Exactly. Exactly. See, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> ah, the nose. <laughs> yeah. They're going to so, do the superhero. They're going to do the superhero open like this. Nobody here, Reed. Go up. Do time. Stretch. Stretch. <laughs> well, that's been my time. Think that it show up. Stretch, Reed. Stretch. <laughs> Stretch. Stretch. Yeah, then here, up the thing. Okay, guys, here's the thing. That's my catchphrase. So the same time, that mute, that magazine article you talked about said it was going to be released on Labor Day weekend, 93. And I guess. Right. But in the end, the Mall of America was set for January 19th, 94. And sure. so, yeah, but before they put the halt on it. Well, that magazine was shady at best, so it was always interesting to see his side. Like, he got roped into it. You know, it wasn't like he knew this wasn't going to happen. It, it happened, but they I do feel like somebody higher up knew this would never get off the ground. Someone well, knew going, they they approached Troma and they approached Corman. They did it because they, they had to get something off the ground. To extend the rights, and all he yeah. had to do was go into production, yeah. I mean, you're talking about a million dollars for something that's worth billions. Well, if he always knew, it's very possible. But I just think, oh wait, I, I just think that uh, Corman didn't know. This was this is not our actor, and it's not our stuntman. It's oh. just got right. They when they were editing, they realized the thing says, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." But where does he go? The next thing you know, he's with Mole Man. So they had to do a middle thing in which he walks the earth. So this is not our actor. Wow, it's a different thing. Right, and this was done after everything was shot, and it was you know months later when they were this editing. Movie, this movie has some complexities to it. There's so many things. Yeah, you know, probably every movie does, and we just never know it. This one didn't get launched, and these people felt ripped off. So that's why we know about it, you know? Right. Well, part of it was like the bootleg kind of went about. Yeah. One thing I like about the documentary it was showing the bootlegs, that the ones yeah. that were selling at conventions, the ones that they were selling at, at record stores or whatever. You know, the premise of our podcast is that these are movies that we just read about or I read about mm -hmm. and never had a chance to see. And it's so great to have it on YouTube. Absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> Oh, the outfits. You guys Every like it? I ripped off the Incredibles. Seven eyes, <laughs> four. No, she sewed them herself, you know. So, and, and they're just waiting for Ben to come back. Now, in 2005, Stan Lee said out loud in front of a whole crowd of people that the movie was never supposed to be shown to anybody. And the cast and crew had been left unaware. He says that. Yeah, then, I know. But then... Eichinger dismissed these claims, stating that we had a contract to release it, and I had bought out that contract. I was, you know, they they bought out that contract. And he says later, Lee's version of the events is definitely not true. It was our original intention to make a B-movie, that's for sure. But when the movie was there, we wanted to release it. So he claims no. And this Avi from Marvel was the one who put the halt on everything. Huh. 
but the but the actors still feel like it was never supposed to be okay this again this was all filmed after it was shot that's not our actor and and i don't think they're credited i don't know but what we've got now is the mole man finding the thing see the next i'll tell you when it's back to our regular actor yeah okay from this point on we're back to the regular film that all that was she's forced to be the queen yeah yeah it's so stupid so it just happens to be the girl the girl who fell in love with a guy who knocked her statue over and broke it right before he turns into the thing right before not after right so she gets kidnapped by a jeweler and then she's saved by a guy who was he met cute but now he's a monster right yeah okay so he says boss we got a new member and and mole man goes so what and he goes, no, boss, you gotta see him. It's a fucking rock. Oh, well, there's jewels from rocks, right? Does he at least say that? He is a jewel. No, no. Are there any other superheroes or villains in this world? Uh, no. There's the jeweler. There's Dr. Doom. Well, if they made a sequel, there would have been. But they were always hanging. They were always bumping into Spider-Man. Spider-Man got trapped in their escalator or what was it? Their glass elevator. Did you ever see that issue? In the Fantastic Four? Yeah, I think so. It was like, meet Spider-Man. I I didn't, I don't remember that. Now, I read the Fantastic Fours through all the 60s, all the 70s. Sure. And then I kind of stopped collecting because I got older and there were girls. And, right. You know, so maybe I have like one or two from like 81. I don't know. It dropped you, off my uh... Did you ever see the issue where they introduced Black Panther? Yes, and it was yeah. Kirby's art. Very right. nice. He he says Fantastic Four come uh, uh match wits with the Black Panther and they go to Wakanda mm-hmm. and he sets up like he these traps for uh, Fantastic Four and Fantastic yeah. Four flips through them and they're like, Okay, let's be friends. You you passed <laughs> my death. That's exactly right. See, I, I found out from uh, Ancestry.com that I'm 17% African-American. And at 17% African-American, I'm not from Wakanda. I'm from, like, Wakanda. Are you going to do that? Then you go, think you're Michael B. Jordan's song? That was material. Clearly, you knew it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I smelled it like a half a block. I away. dropped that joke. I've dropped any joke that has anything to do with any, you know, like racy race or, you know, anything like whatever's really inappropriate. I just don't tell them anymore. You know, yeah, it's not your wheelhouse, man. You don't want to. It is my wheelhouse. It is. Those are funny fucking jokes to me, but, but people don't appreciate them. So just don't do them. You want people to like you. It keeps things simple too. If you just like, you know, you want people to focus on your jokes and focus on, on the humor, you don't want people to second doubt or like go, well, wait a yeah. minute, you yeah. know, because yeah. of this and that, and you know, I don't really think it's, and then like they're, you know, yeah, good, good, good on us <laughs> here at the superhero. Open I, mic. I, 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 
They I, call it the bucket system at the Super uh, Hero Open Mic, but how come the Fantastic Four go four in a row? Yeah, the Fantastic Bump, man. Four yeah, in a but, row. Okay, so now he's realizing, look at this handwriting. Victor is still alive. Victor is doomed. Oh, thank God, because this movie has been still going on. I now, here's Darth Vader entering the rebel ship to get the plans. Right, Dr. Doom is in the room. And he's bulletproof, we learn. And he's bouncing the bullets back onto the guys so they all die. Doom got fucked up, and that's why he covered his face with an iron mask. Yeah. And it was some kind of uh, ritual, right? And it sizzled. Yeah, you see, it's, it's like the suit helps, like... Uh, secrete oil on his skin or some crap right. like it, it, it's a Her mental thing as much as a superhero costume and in the comics he had electricity he would yeah that people he would taser people with his hand finger well, kirby also, kirby also had uh, uh the red skull who had like a mask that put on his face and sizzled his face to... stuck on yeah so it was always this creepy thing with him yeah yeah the Red Skull looks that way in the cinematic universe one. Yeah, they don't really give an origin of the Red Skull. I see the Red Skull pop up in, in Marvel Comics. I'm like, why are, you, why are you writing comics about the Red Skull, dude? Well, he yeah. was supposed to be the enemy of Captain America because Hitler was part of real history. So he couldn't – you know, you would see Hitler in the Captain America comic book. Sure. But um, not like he was the villain that Captain America ever fought. He always fought the Red Skull. And they threw in Hydra instead of just like the Stasi or or uh, the Gestapo. They had Hydra. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's on Secret Force. Wow, Fantastic Four. But <laughs> yeah, I didn't like this. In the sequel to the first batch, they had uh, Galactus show up, but he wasn't like Galactus robot. He was like a, a, a swarm. Galactus was a... Like gas. Well, let me tell you in a second, okay? Yeah. Okay, so he's got Alicia. So he's like, come here and uh, you know, I'll shoot, you know, so they do a lot of damage before you get here. Then Alicia says, I love you. And that makes uh, Ben all soft inside and he's no longer the thing. He's Ben. Now, oh, get out of here. This is the only time we'll see this in the film. You would think this would be such a plot point. I've discovered how to cure myself, something like that. Right. But no. Were you trying to make a joke that she didn't see? That's the only time she didn't see that he changed it to the. Was I trying to make that joke? No, I was just yeah. saying that. Okay. That's I... what happens in the film. I'm surprised that they don't. Um, they, it's see, it's poorly written. It's out of nowhere. This guy, this writer's for real. Let me tell you about him. Uh, Craig J. Nevis, and also a guy named Kevin Rock, which is Kevin Hart and Chris Rock married. First screenplay was Happy Together, Columbia Pictures, Patrick Dempsey, Helen Slater, uh, and right. Brad Pitt's first film. But then he got sucked into the Roger Corman world and he wrote all these corman films including death doors oh no 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 
He also wrote on his own as a producer, Death Door, starring David Carradine, and Step Monster by Alan Thicke. He, oh, I want to see that. I want to see Step Monster with Alan Thicke. I saw it, maybe. I think it sucked ass. Was it better than Monster-in-Law? Uh, no, Monster-in-Law was better. Okay. I guess you didn't like Monster-in-Law. No, I just wanted to make sure that my monster... Uh... Yeah, I got to keep them straight. Yeah. Okay, so now Zoom, Doom is like, hey, I got Alyssa, and I got the laser, and I'm going to zap New York City unless you guys come to me so I can do the whammy jam. And here's what the laser does. So come give me your power. I'm going to suck it out of you with my anti-whammy-jammy machine. Or I kill Alyssa and I blow up New York. <laughs> Hang up. Hang up. He 